Well, we're in this uh, series, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, and I thought we'd start a little different this morning. I want to start with a kind of a pop quiz, okay? And so I'm going to ask you a few questions, and I really want to see if you've been listening or not. So, um, so here's the first question. Who wrote the book of 2 Timothy? Paul, the Apostle Paul. All right. Who was the book of 2 Timothy written to? Just take a wild guess. <laughs> Timothy, a young leader named, named Timothy wrote it. What did Paul commend Timothy for? We talked about this the very, very first week. He commended him for what? Having what kind of faith? Genuine faith or sincere faith. Uh, the, we talked about the importance of dropping the mask, um, being authentic, uh, that if we would do that, we would watch our relationships improve, our influence uh, with other people would improve, and I believe this world would be a more beautiful place if people would just drop the masks and be real. So what was Paul's first challenge? Uh, Paul challenged Timothy to fan the flames of what? His gifts, his spiritual gifts, that's right. Uh, and so every, every Christ follower, everyone here that's a Christ follower, God's given you spiritual gifts, and we are to identify those gifts, we are to develop those gifts and use those gifts to make a difference uh, for Jesus Christ, make a difference in the kingdom. And here, here's the last question. Timothy struggled with a spirit of what? You remember? Last week. Fear, timidity, <laughs> God, God didn't give you or me a spirit of fear, but he gave us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, a spirit of self-discipline. And I think so far in this letter, it's been pretty straightforward, uh, very practical. And in fact, I think you could put the ideas on the front of a t-shirt, be genuine, be yourself the way God created you and be brave. But today, things are gonna get a little more complicated. And so I wanna read through the scripture and then we'll, we'll kind of back up and go back through this. It says, so do not be ashamed to tell people about our Lord Jesus Christ. Do not be ashamed of me. I'm in prison for the Lord, but suffer with me for the good news. God gives us the strength to do that. Now, that's not too complicated so far, but it says, God saved us and made us his holy people. That was not because of anything we did ourselves, but because of what he wanted and because of his grace. That grace was given to us through Christ Jesus before time began. So, I mean, that's a lot to take in in that passage. It says, it was not shown to us until our Savior Jesus Christ came. Jesus destroyed death, and through the good news, he showed us the way to have life that cannot be destroyed. I was chosen to tell the good news and to be an apostle and a teacher. Paul's talking about himself there. And then he kind of finishes with a declaration. He says, and I suffer now because I tell the good news, but I am not ashamed. I know Jesus, the one whom I believe in, and I am sure that he is able to protect that which he has entrusted with me 
until that day. Now, what I want you to do, I want you to turn to your neighbor and just tell them what all that means, all right? Go ahead. <laughs> that, um, that passage is complex. And anytime I'm looking at something that's complex, I uh, usually start by um, trying to, when I'm reading, whether it be a post or a book or scripture, I start with context, okay? That's, that's when things start getting confusing, I just back up to where I first made sense of things. And so it, it kind of helps me follow the train of thought that's going on. Uh, it allows me to, to figure out what, what the writer's talking about. And in this passage, the train of thought that led up to this passage is the quiz that we just went through. You know, Paul commends Timothy. He says, your, your genuine faith is good. Timothy, you need to fan the flames of, of your spiritual gifts. You need to use your spiritual gifts. You need to allow those gifts to, to show in the world. God's entrusted you with this. And then he challenges Timothy to be brave, to not be timid, to not be fearful, but, but to remember that God's given him a spirit of power. That's the context and so now we're going to back up and just kind of break this passage down because I, I think it will help us get a, get a little better understanding of it. He says, so do not be, be ashamed to tell people about our Lord Jesus. Don't be ashamed, Timothy. Hey, have you ever been ashamed of your faith? Have you ever been embarrassed to tell people that you're a follower of Jesus Christ? You know, maybe, maybe you're having a conversation at work or at school. You know, maybe you're talking to a neighbor or an acquaintance. And you have that perfect opportunity, the window's been opened, to just say, yes, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I go to faith fellowship, I volunteer. You're given that opportunity, but you hang back. You don't say it. Why do you hold back? Well, I mean, you hold back because of pride? Wisdom? Is it, is it discretion? Fear? Embarrassment? See, that, that first line in the passage, to me, is really easy to understand, but it's a tough one to wrestle with. You know, I could think about that. I, I could pray about that. And I understand that sometimes it is challenging in certain situations, especially in our culture today, to, to not be embarrassed. You know, sometimes it's challenging to be proud that you're a Christian, that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. It's difficult sometimes to step up, isn't it? But, but Paul goes on, he says, and do not be ashamed of me, I, I'm a prisoner for the Lord. You know, Timothy, 
are, are you ashamed? Are you ashamed of me? You know, because I'm in prison now. You know, Timothy, we, we used to travel together. Timothy, when, when I was speaking before large crowds, when I was preaching, I mean, you were proud of me then, Timothy. But now, well, it feels like you're a little bit embarrassed. I mean, the, the fact is I, I, I'm in prison for preaching the gospel. Timothy, something's up here. And see, I, I think maybe Timothy was struggling with fear again. You know, maybe Timothy's trying to distance himself from Paul a little bit. He's, he's afraid of being connected to Paul. See, I think Timothy's afraid of being arrested. He's afraid of being sentenced to prison. You know, when I, when I read this passage and I read that part of it, it's like, that's something to think about. It's something I can wrestle with. And, and I believe you can too in, in your life. Do you ever distance yourself on purpose? He says, but suffer with me for the good news. God gives us the strength to do that. That is not confusing. I, I know what that means. I get that. I, I can't pretend that I don't get that. You know, it's, it's interesting to me, all the years I've been doing ministry, when, when there's like a high-profile ministry, lots of thrills in it, with very little sacrifice, those jobs fill up really, really quick. But, but when there's a ministry that requires a lot of investment, a lot of commitment and sacrifice, maybe some suffering, those ministries are hard to fill. Because sometimes, I, I, I think, in our minds, we, we all want to be passionate followers of Jesus Christ. We want that. But with no cost. No, no sacrifice. Friends, it's not just Timothy who, who kind of stays on the sidelines once in a while. I, I think you and I do sometimes. You know, we, we struggle you know, we, we do this in our lives when, when certain opportunities come along. And we look at the opportunity, and because we don't want to suffer, we, we don't want to be inconvenienced for, for the gospel, for the good news, we say no. Verse 9, he says, God saved us and made us his holy people. Now, i got to break that apart. I mean, God saved us. Friends, that's what differentiates Christianity from every other religion. Almost every other religion, followers, have to make themselves acceptable, have to make themselves good enough. You know, they have to do the right thing follow the right rules, do, do the right things. You gotta do this, you gotta do that. A lot of work so that you can get to a point that you're not certain. <laughs> you don't know whether or not you've met those expectations 
that, that God has. All other religions are like that. But it says God, God saved us and made us his holy people. In other words, God reached down from heaven through his son, Jesus Christ, and he saves us. You know, this God that we stand before offers us a way of salvation, and he calls us to be holy. Now, I know some of you, just hearing that word holy, you kind of gravitate toward an idea of, Okay, so I'm supposed to be doing stuff, and I'm supposed to be working, and I'm going to earn my salvation. Friends, that is not it. That is not it. We were made by God. We're created fearfully and wonderfully. We are called to a holy life. You know, we have been set apart, and we are to be different than the world. You you could kind of think about it this way. You know, Christ followers— You have been called to live in a different lane than the rest of the world. We're called to live in that lane and we're to be used for God's purposes in this world. Every Christ follower, you're called to get in that lane. We have been set apart. We are to be in this world but not of this world. And this is where things get really confusing, I think, for people. See, God saved us. He made us. He called us to be holy people. He says, that was not because of anything we, we did ourselves, but because of what God wanted and because of God's grace. You may think you deserve salvation, You may think you've earned it, but Paul says, time out. You do not deserve it. It is all a gift from God. Everything that you have been given, everything, everything, yes, that thing that you're thinking about, everything is a gift from God. You didn't earn anything. I didn't earn anything. God saved us. God made us. God called us. God made a decision And because he loves you and he loves me, he called us because of his grace. Friends, when you see that word grace, you can translate that favor because of God's favor in your life. Get this, God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. And that grace, that grace was given to us through Christ Jesus before time began. That's mind-blowing if you think about it. Before time began, God had a redemption plan. God had it in mind. Since the very beginning of time, God knew that he would send his son. I mean, God understood that. You know, Paul's getting to the heartbeat of things here. He says, it was not shown to us until our Savior Christ, Jesus, came. That eternal redemption plan was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. You know, Paul's reminding Timothy of something that had happened just a few decades before. You know, when when Jesus came to this world, he was born in that manger. He walked the planet, started teaching. 
started redefining priorities and values. Jesus was healing people, raising people from the dead. Jesus was loving people like nobody had ever done before. And then he sacrificed his life on the cross, ends up dying for the sins of the world, and to prove he was who he said he was, he walked out of the grave. He declared victory, victory over over death, over sin. He obliterated it. Jesus destroyed death, and not just death, And through the good news, he showed us the way to have life that cannot be destroyed. See, Jesus didn't just destroy the power of sin, the power of death. But Jesus brought new life. And friends, that's something to celebrate. That's good news. Through that good news. God changed him. He says, I was chosen. Paul's talking about himself here. I was chosen to tell that good news, share that good news, and to be an apostle and a teacher. Paul, in in this passage, he's showing his teaching. I mean, he's teaching at this point. You know, we're given this extraordinary thing called the gospel, the good, good news. We've been entrusted with it. And, and as followers of Jesus Christ, we're to share it. It's the greatest thing you can share. It's death-defying. It's life-giving. It's world-changing. It's eternity-altering. I mean, the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ was God's redemption plan. It came from God. It's a gift from God. And it is so important and so powerful that we should be sharing it. We ought to be sharing it joyfully and regularly and recklessly if necessary. Anytime, anywhere, we should be willing to sacrifice for it, even if it means suffering for it. We should be willing to do that. But then Paul says, And I suffer now because I tell the good news, but I am not ashamed. You know, Paul, Paul's saying, you might be ashamed. You might be ashamed of me, Timothy, but I'm not ashamed. I have no trouble being in chains because the fact is, I was trying to share the good news of Jesus Christ, and I'm okay with it. You know, Paul knew that the gospel, that good news, had transforming power. But I think Paul was worried that Timothy had lost sight of it, lost sight of the power, the potential to transform lives, the gospel to transform the world. The good news of Jesus Christ could do that. Here, let let me show you. We're going to go visit a friend of mine. He's in the neighborhood, and uh, I'll, I'll show you what it looks like. Uh, 
Nathan, uh, do you remember how we first met? Yeah, I, I can remember. Uh, it was back in 2007. Uh, Faith Fellowship was still renting space out of Alton High School. And uh, I'd actually just gotten out of prison uh, from the Missouri Department of Corrections. I was on parole from Missouri and probation from Illinois because I had charges in both states. And my life up until that point, uh, it was pretty tough. You know, I was emotionally bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt, addicted to drugs, and was at a point where I was trying to build a relationship with Christ, but I wasn't really quite sure what that looked like. So it seemed like a long time ago? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It, it almost, some of my past, whenever I can talk about it and I remember it, but it almost seems like a dream, you know, because like the transformation from where I was then to where I am today is so different that it, it just seems like this long ago time and place as if, you know, it's, it's surreal, you know. This transformation, mm -hmm. what helped you transform? I really have to say I got to a place of desperateness, brokenness, helplessness, hopelessness. You know, I was, I was lost and I was searching for answers. And whenever I was first coming to Christ there in that 2007 period where I was first coming to Faith Fellowship, I was really coming to God to just fix my problems. I really wanted to be just like a normal human being like everybody else in society, but I didn't want to have this addiction issue. Mm -hmm. And so I came to God like bargaining, like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read my Bible and, and maybe I'll go to church, but then you have to do this for me. You have to take this addiction away from me. But I was only willing to go so far, you mm -hmm. know, and where the transformation really happened, I was sitting in a prison cell because I ended up going back to prison because I didn't get my life together because I wasn't really ready to surrender everything to God at that point. Um, so while I'm in this cell, I finally, it just, it hits me like a ton of bricks. I have this, I call it an aha moment, an epiphany mm -hmm. moment, where everything just began to change in how I viewed the world. And I really got to that place of desperation where instead of asking God to take one thing away from me, I really committed my life to Him. And I surrendered all that I had to Him in that moment. And so I go in my cell, and while I'm in my cell, I'm starting to feel like really mild form of detox because it was a uh, benzodiazepine klonopin was the drug that mm. I was taking and I'm also thinking that yeah I'm gonna get this stuff approved it's gonna go through and I'm gonna get they call it a blister pack which is like one of those pages where you can pop mm. out all the pills and oh, whenever I first get out of prison I'm so glad that I'm gonna have these drugs and this blister pack because it's gonna be stressful and I'll, I'll probably be able to take just you know just a few days I'll be able to take more than, than what is prescribed. And in that moment, this little voice whispered, and it, it, was, it almost seemed audible, you're still addicted. And like the tumblers just fell into place that I was planning my relapse six and a half years in the future. Mm -hmm. You know, and like in that moment, that's whenever I realized like how lost I really was, how delusional my thought patterns really were, how desperate I was in need of a change. And, and then that's whenever, like, God then was like, I'm right here, you know? And, like, and then that, that's whenever that moment happened. Like, he, he was right there telling me, man, you're still addicted. You still have problems. I can help you if you'll just surrender your life to me. Mm -hmm. And now, even though I made the decision to surrender it to him, there wasn't this magical moment where I instantly changed and where, like, I was able to give my whole life to him. I really just made the decision 
to give my whole life to him. And then I've spent years, even to this day, of God working on me, on him transforming me, on him showing me the next place that I need to open my life up to him where he's going to come in and he's going to move and he's going to work and he's going to change me, he's going to mold me into the thing that I was supposed to be. How's the church helped you with, with that process? Faith Fellowship has been awesome. Um, I can remember while I was in prison for that seven and a half years, every week, your wife sent me a Bible lesson plan. And if I didn't get one one week, the one that I got the week after that would have two inside of it, and it would have a little note saying, Nathan, I'm sorry we were on vacation that week, and uh, here's two. I'm, I'm sorry that we missed it. You know, I got letters, I mean, outpouring from the fellowship itself throughout my time in prison. There was multiple members of the congregation that sent me birthday letters, Christmas cards, you know, money on my books that helped out, you know, through times of the year. And they just supported me. They let me know that they were there for me. And even though I'd messed up and maybe done some things that could have been embarrassing to them, embarrassing to the church, that they were still there to like love on me and support me and to show me that love of Christ, which is, I mean, that's a powerful thing to not just feel it from God, but to feel it from God's people like working in your life. Yeah. Well, while you were in, you were going to school. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, tell, us, tell us a little bit about that journey. Uh, so whenever I was in, I'd made a decision that maybe I was gonna get into some kind of addiction counseling. And I knew to do that, I was gonna need some education. So I just started taking whatever classes that I could, you know, like Department of Corrections isn't exactly like, you know, a college. You just have to take what is available. You know, so I started taking classes and taking classes and I'd worked my way around to where I ended up getting an associate's degree while I was in prison. Mm -hmm. And I also earned what is called a CAP certificate. There was a year long program that I specifically transferred to an institution to be able to take that program. I put in for that and was in the program for a year and earned my CAP certification, which is a Certified Associate Addictions Professional. But I didn't have any experience in the job and I knew I needed more education. So I continued my education. Within a month of being out, I had a job. I was enrolled in school. I went up to Lewis and Clark and found out that they had a program where they worked with Missouri Baptist College to where you could earn a four-year degree, but I could go to all my classes up there at Lewis and Clark. And uh, so I went to school there and I kept, kept at it, you know, and, and it was amazing. I gave this speech one time and I said that God was writing a narrative with my life that even my own academic shortcomings could not undo. Because it, like, I think God is trying to create this story of transformation with my life. He's not trying, I believe he's succeeding mm -hmm. in creating that story. And, and it's not about me anymore. You know, I really try to live out that my life is not my own and that I'm an ambassador of Christ. And I try to apply that in my work. I try to apply that in my schooling. I try to apply that in my life. And so now I'm just waiting and trusting on God. I'm not really frustrated. I'm not really upset. You know, like I have a job where I still interact with people and I feel like even though I'm a server at a restaurant, I still have a positive impact on people's life. You know, I still get to help people smile. I get to talk to people about their life and what they're going through. And it's a little bit of counseling, but in a, a lot more casual setting and a lot less serious, you know. And I try to, you know, whenever people come in, I try to help them leave in a better mood 
than whenever they came in. You see your ministry lifting and helping people have a better day, uh, pointing them toward Christ. How do, how do you uh, play that out as far as sharing, sharing? I call it sharing the gospel, but it's, yeah. it's sharing the good news. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Bible says to always be prepared mm -hmm. to give an answer for the hope that is inside you, which there's two parts to that. Not only should you always be ready for an answer, but people should be able to see that there's something a little bit different about you than there is about everybody else. That you have this sense of hope that other people don't have and that you should be ready to speak about it. God absolutely has a plan and he's going to bring something great uh, out of this. And I, I really appreciate you uh, sharing, sharing your story with mm -hmm. us this morning. Mm -hmm. you, you make this world a more beautiful place, more mm -hmm. beautiful place. I think, do I see Nathan? Yeah, there we go. There we go. Catch him afterwards. I appreciate him uh, spending time. I, usually I uh, send questions ahead and I did, something in me was like, no, don't. Don't let him know what you're going to ask. And uh, we did that all in one uh, short setting and didn't even uh, have to back up and uh, redo. And uh, I thank you for uh, doing that and uh, sharing with us. You are fearfully, wonderfully made. You are. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Friends, the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ, it's powerful. I mean, it's that powerful, you know? I, I have seen lost people find God. I, I have seen sinful people get cleansed. I, I have seen hate-filled people become loving people. I, I've seen greedy people become generous in their life. I, I've seen selfish, self-absorbed people who have become servants for Jesus Christ. See, the gospel is powerful. And I am absolutely certain it is worthy of the sacrifice and to suffer for. It is worthy of whatever is needed. And I know some of you are a little bit timid on this. You're a little bit embarrassed to let coworkers or classmates or neighbors know that you're a Christ follower. And I, I just want to appeal to you. I mean, could the reason that you're embarrassed, that you're a little timid, it, it could part of the reason that you're not willing to use your God-given gifts, could, it, could your reluctance be that you're afraid to sacrifice or suffer for it, could it all be tracked back to a very simple fact in your life? I think something that Timothy was struggling with, that you've lost faith that the good news of Jesus Christ can radically transform lives and change the world. You know, people think, oh, politics is going to... No, it's not. It's a mess. There isn't anything but the gospel of Jesus Christ that can change things. 
You know, I was thinking, 40, 45 years ago, I'm really dating myself. But it was a Friday night, a rainy Friday night at Lake Springfield Christian Assembly. And I remember Dan Spruill delivered the gospel message that evening. And friends, it ambushed my heart. I realized that there was a God who loved me, who sent his son to die for me. And when I really understood that, that's when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. You know, I I realized that heaven was going to celebrate because of me that night. And friends, when I think about how much God has loved me, and I think about the gospel of Jesus Christ and how it's transformed me through the years. It's transformed my life, transformed my future, my eternity. Friends, it is defining and it is clarifying. The gospel is that important. And it's that powerful. You know, the good news of Jesus Christ can transform lives. I mean, that's, that's why faith fellowship exists, period. No other reason. I mean, we exist to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's our mission. You go, well, how do you do that? Well, we grow in our faith like we're doing this morning. We're growing, hopefully. Why do we grow? For the one thing. So we can share the good news of Jesus Christ more effectively in our lives with our friends and with our neighbors and with our coworkers and with our classmates, you know, with the people that God puts in our proximity every day. And see, I believe if we could encourage one another and maintain a passion to share the good news of Jesus Christ, not be weird and freaky and judgmental, but to share the good news of Jesus Christ, that we could transform our friends and our families, and our neighborhoods, and our cities, and ultimately our country, and we could change the world, period. We could transform it. Paul, he doesn't let Timothy off the hook here, and I love his declaration at the end. He says, I know Jesus, the one I have believed in, and I am sure that he is able to protect what he has has trusted me with until that day. I call this a very subtle leadership move that Paul makes. I've used it from time to time. He says, hey, Timothy, if you've lost sight of the power of the gospel... If you're going to be timid about it, if you're going to be embarrassed, if you're not willing to take risks and to share your faith openly and to sacrifice and maybe suffer a little for it, if you're not willing to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the desperate people around you, well, Timothy... That's your choice. But as for me, Timothy, I am staking everything 
on Jesus Christ, the power of the good news to change lives. And you, when you read Paul, he's like, I, I've seen it change the lives of kings and servants and Jews and Greeks. I've seen it change the lives of people that are in bondage and people that are free. I've seen it change neighborhoods and cities. And I've seen it change enough people. I know who I believe in. And I am fully, 100% convinced and committed to the power of the good news of Jesus Christ, period. I don't care what it costs me. I don't care what I have to sacrifice. I don't care if I have to suffer in this prison cell. I am not ashamed. Paul says, I am fully convinced and I believe in the power of Jesus Christ to change lives and in Timothy, he would say to us, I think you do too. See, some, some of you have mistakenly believed that if you live a good life, if you do the right things, you know, help people be a good person, that that's going to save you. It won't. You can never do enough. You can never be good enough. All you need to do is accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. I mean, he, he came to this world. He died on the cross for you. You can have a relationship with God because of that by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's life-giving. It's eternity-altering. And it can transform your life. In fact, some of you are going, well, I don't feel transformed. Well. I would suggest maybe you're trying to do it instead of allowing God to do it. I mean, any, anybody need that kind of power in their life today? In fact, I know there's some that need to take that step. You know, accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Now, for some of you, you've already taken that step. Your life is being transformed. And what I would say to you this morning, do not be embarrassed. Do not be ashamed any longer. Share the message that transformed you, that changed you. There's something wrong, terribly wrong, if we're not willing to share that which changed us. I mean, you willing to do the hard thing? You willing to sacrifice, suffer if need be? I mean, are you willing to do whatever it takes to share the good news of Jesus Christ, period? So two action points, we'll close here. Some of you need to take that step today and make Christ your savior. You know, you've been 
trying to be a good person, trying to just give it all up and just go, okay, Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours. Not just this little piece. I thought you articulated that really well, uh, Nathan. Not this little piece. All of me is yours, Lord. Some of you need to do that today. Prayer teams will be down front. I'd encourage you to take that step. All you got to do is go, Lord, I accept you. Let's start the journey. Start transforming me, changing me. And God will do that. Many of you, the challenge, will you share the good news? Again, don't be a freak, okay? Don't be judgmental. That isn't our task. Never has been God's call to the church. The call is to share the good news. The good news that can transform lives. You want a better community? Jesus Christ can transform that. You want a better country? Jesus Christ can perform that. You want better relationships? It's fundamental as Jesus Christ transforms us things begin to happen. So, Some of you need to take a step and accept. Some of you need to say, all right, I'm going to start sharing. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Again, teams will be down front. Also, if you've got prayer needs, they'll, they'll pray with you. And I, I, want, to, I want to make this uh, as simple because we make it so complicated. If, if you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, all you have to do, just come down front and say, I want Jesus as my Savior. And let him pray for you. You don't have to tell him anything. Don't just say, pray for me. I want to start today. I want to, I want to be transformed by Jesus Christ. You're accepting him as your Savior and Lord, saying, okay, let's see what's ahead. I'll, I will follow, whatever it is. To the rest of you, God will give you opportunities this week. I guarantee you, they're all around you where you can share, where a door gets open. Someone says, man, I'm I'm a wreck. I'm going through. And all you have to say is, do you go to church somewhere? You know, when I, and, and you begin to tell your, how God helped you through whatever God helped you through. You don't, have to, you don't have to get the Bible out and start quoting it and everything. It starts with that relationship, just saying, I know what you're talking about. And the only thing that got me through, and, and you begin to share that. So let's bow in a word of prayer. God, you know there are um, some here this morning, and they've yet to take that step. And God, I pray your Holy Spirit would just press Maybe where they are right now, they just say, Lord, I accept you as my Savior. God, I pray you'd give them courage to just whisper that. To experience that, to know it's a new beginning. That you will transform them. That you died for them, that you love them. That you see them right now, where they are. God, I also know that many of us, we, we need to lift our eyes up and look around and 
see the opportunities that you place before us each and every day. And that we need to be prepared to, to share. To share the good news that changed us. God, I pray every person here that, would, that you would just scream when that opportunity comes. That you make it hard for them to turn the other way, to not say the words, to not reach out. And God, if they'd take that step, that you would give them the words to say. That you'd show them that you're in the middle of that. There's nothing greater than we can share, Lord. God, help us to do that. God, I pray that um, you would guide our steps this week, that we would be the holy people you've called us to be, that we'd live in that lane, that we'd give you glory with all we say and do. And God's people said, in Jesus' name, let's, let's worship together.